Welcome to the Movie Theater Time Machine Podcast. Today we present the Maltese Falcon. Starring Peter Lohr, Humphrey Bogart, Mary Esther, and Gladys George. Directed by John Houston. This is from 1941. This should be a good one for you folks. Uh, you know this thing here we have the Movie Theater Time Machine Podcast. You've heard this before. Uh, just go back and listen to our other episodes. <laughs> I'm tired of doing the work. Okay. Hey, you guys do right here. Take it over to Cass and Nick, and you all have a good day. Enjoy the show now. Yay. Yeah, all right. So, Sorry who? for the delay, but, you know, birthday and shit. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we put up some stuff here. I mean, we've had enough weekends in a row that we've done some episodes, so. Excuses, excuses. Yeah, so, hell. That's all right. Whatever it is, whatever it is, so. We'll be alright here. Oh. Hope you all are doing really well. Uh, sitting around us in the middle of May now. Yeah, damn. And hope you all had a good Mother's Day. So. Hey. And, and so I think we're here. So we're in the middle of Peter Lore Month. Yep. And uh, we took a look at the Maltese Falcon. Uh, considered to be one of the highest rated movies of all time. And you've certainly seen parodies. Oh, or, yeah. Or at least some bits. Any kind of cartoonish parody detective thing is going to have some stuff, but not all the things I expected. Yeah. True, true. Fast talking, weird, old timey slang. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I especially like but that. But she wasn't as sultry as I expected. Yeah. I especially like the use of the word dingus. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to hear that in the voice of Nelson Muntz. <laughs> but, uh, so dingus was just like a, a thingamabob, basically? Yeah. Let's see your dingus. <laughs> I kept wanting to do like the epidermis episode. <laughs> uh, epidermis means your hair. That's why it's funny. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, hell... Uh, one of our... Have we done detective movies? Well, we have not had a detective month. No. No, our third Humphrey Bogart film. Yes. And... <sighs> he smiles a lot in this one. Well, not at this first. This is... But... Yeah. There's a scene in this where Humphrey Bogart is laughing. It's kind of creepy. It's a little startling. But he has a gun point at him. Oh, God. <laughs> like, hey, hey, yeah. Oh, don't worry. You'll go ahead. I ain't going to stop you. Just, like, it's really, really, really odd. Ah, oh, man, just a few things. Um, Roger Ebert puts this in his top ten, uh, put this in his top ten movies. Uh, looks like the soundtrack did really, really well with this. I thought the music was kind of weird. It wasn't, yeah. like, film noir-y, you know, like I expect. Yeah, true. It was a little bit too boisterous sometimes. True, It's kind of funny sometimes. There is a parody sequel to it, uh, starring George Segal as, um, uh, it's called The Blackbird. Uh, I just, star- starring him as James Spade, uh, Sam Spade Jr., now I just can't get the damn Beatles out of my head. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, it's a... It's not a bad thing. It looks like... Oh, actually, let's see. In 1988, there's an homage to the film presented in an episode, The Big Goodbye, the first season, uh, first season of the episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, Captain Luke Picard. John Luke Picard. Yeah. I'm like Picard, a fan of detective stories in the early 20th century, including fictional Dixon Hill, uh, standing for Stam Spade, and a holodeck simulation as Picard as Hill is opposed by Cyrus Redblock, who's the name played as Sidney Greenstreet. Redblock is looking for an item which is never identified, standing for the Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, alright, so, what do you think? Um, 
they talked really fast, and I felt bad for anyone doing the transcript. I mean, the um, subtitle, you know, the um, what do they call them? Not subtitles, because it's in English, but yeah, closed captioning. Yeah, <laughs> which Amazon's got to get their damn functions right. What do you mean? Because sometimes they missed words and shit. No, it's like the 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 um the closed caption is ahead of what they're actually saying. Yeah, that's annoying. So you're like watching it, they do that. Sometimes like you watch it, and I don't know about you, but sometimes when the closed caption's on, it's like you can't help but just Swear. read it. I know. Here, you know, it's like, "Hello, how are you? Hello, how are you?" It's like, we just saw that. Get on with yeah. it. I read faster. Yeah. So, hell, we walked through this one and um, and uh, see where we are here. So, starts out right away. Uh, basically, gives the uh, the background of the film. Basically, an introductory text. It's out here in fifteen thirty nine. King. Knights Templar of, the Mal- of Malta paid tribute to Charles V for Spain, sending him a gold falcon encrusted from beak to claw in the rarest jewels. Pirates seized the golden gal- galley carrying the priceless artifact token, and the fate of the Maltese falcon remains a mystery to this day. Basically, people are going to murder each other over a thingamabob, or right. dingus, as he calls it. <laughs> <laughs> they 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 are quite the dinguses, I think. For it reminds me of the of the show, The Office, where uh, Jim recorded Dwight saying "idiot" <laughs> and put it on his as a cell phone uh, as a as a ringtone for his cell phone. Oh my god! Idiot, idiot, idiot! I just want to have that and just have dingus? Humphrey Bogart say "dingus." <laughs> But just suddenly, dude, they're just, like, sitting in the office, just typing away, doing work, and suddenly they're dingus, 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 dingus. <laughs> I don't know. I think that'd be really funny. Oh, my God. That'd be great. <laughs> oh, I was kind of, like, by the end, wondering, oh, man, will he? Won't he? What's, what, what the fuck? What's yeah. going on? Yeah, it does get a little confusing. I mean, the last scene is kind of... I don't know, it's kind of thrown together very quickly, and for the sake of it, it is a Peter Lorre month, and I mean, this is one of Peter Lorre's weirdest roles, but he also plays it very, very straight, mm. you know, which I think is why it's so weird. His hair was weird. That, yeah. That was just, it yeah. right. Yeah, it reminded, he reminded me in this one, is there was, um, in this band I was in, in high school, very briefly, and there was this, uh, I believe it was our drummer's dad who looked exactly like him. What? Yeah, and... In this movie or just in general? In general. And, but he had that similar style haircut, I remember. Yeah, that was weird. It's like... Yeah. Uh, did you time travel and, and grab that off Polly Shore? <laughs> I, I guess, if I recall. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? What was up with that? <laughs> I'll get to some of the bits there. I was where surprised he appears, but... that it starts up during the day. I thought, you know, noir detective shit was supposed to start at night. Mm. Well, it kind of jumps to it. I mean, so starts out at the beginning. You got private investigators Sam Spade and Miles Archer, played by Jeremy Cohen and, that's how you and, get Hum- ants. and Humphrey Bogart. Ah, they already beat me to my joke. <laughs> they got a prospective client, which is Ruth Wanderley, given name. Uh, How many Cla- names yeah. she got in this? How much that? How many names she got in this thing? I don't know. I think three, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, that's not her name, but as she claims they're looking for a missing sister, uh, is involved with a man named Floyd Thursby, uh, Thursby. Uh, Archer agrees to go ahead and follow her to help get her sister back. However, uh, Spade gets uh, w- uh, gets woken up by a phone call very early in the morning. 
uh, and the police inform him that Archer has been killed, which is one of the, the stupidest killings I've oh ever seen. Oh, God, yes. So it's like, it, it's just to break down for the audience what it's like. Ah! Yeah, it, there you go. Like, he just, he's walking, he's walking, he walks in a spotlight, he gets shot in the... We think. Yeah, well, he gets shot, I assume, in the right kneecap. He just looks surprised and then grabs himself, like, an old-timey western. Yeah, and then stumbles down a hill, and that probably are like, oh, okay, that's new. Um, let's see, he meets with his friend, Detective, uh, Tom Polhouse, uh, played by a guy, Ward Burton, at the murder scene that tries to, uh, uh, tries to go ahead and just get to his client by calling her at the hotel, however, she checked out and back in his apartment, he, uh, Tom and the Lieutenant Dundee, uh, who tells him that Thurn, uh, Thursby has also been murdered that same evening, Dundee suggests that Spade had the opportunity and motive to kill Thursby, uh, Thursby, who likely killed Archer. Archer's widow, played by Gla- uh, Gladys George, later uh, visits him at the detective. They believe that he shot uh, he shot his partner so he could have her. But that doesn't seem to go very far. No. No, not at all, but also it's like, you got this, obviously she's dressed all in black doing the whole widow thing, mm. sure, but it reminded me very much of um, Scarlett O'Hara mm. and Gone with the Wind, how she had to wear black and do that whole thing, but she kissed him. Yeah. Right away. She, well, they said later she didn't even like him. I mean, the, her husband. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 true. Oh, he had a $10,000 insurance policy and a wife who didn't like him. Yeah, yeah, that... Well, 1941 money, though, was pretty damn good. Mm. So, you know, it, it, but he gets a lot of money thrown at him. Yeah. In this flick, too, so, I mean, it's like, oh, yeah, $10,000, like, I'm just happy we see a movie with Humphrey Bogart showing emotion. <laughs> Because I would imagine, like, this movie was filmed uh, filmed early and released October 3rd, 1941, and two weeks later out to the general of the United States, mm. and uh, limited release. Shortly after that was, was Casablanca. Wow. And I gotta wonder if, like... If this was, like, in some... There's got to be some fan fiction out there where, <laughs> you know, where Sam Spade is actually Rick. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know why did he drive out the like, dude, you know, that line from, uh, um, that line from uh, Casablanca where he's like, you know, I like to think it's either one or thing. Either I like to think that you ran away with somebody was wife. Did you steal from the collection plate at church? Did you kill a man? I like to think it was all three. <laughs> a little bit of all three there. Oh, God, Lid would kill me for not remembering that immediately. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, uh, but it's just, it's such a... So it starts out, there's the, you know, there's kind of the base, you know, you think like you're getting into a who killed my partner type, type of a movie. However, it doesn't really go that far because when he gets a little uh, into this, he finds out that the Wanderly, uh, Wanderly, who, uh, Wanderly, excuse me, uh, later that morning meets with a client, finds out her real name is Bridget O'Hennessy. Shaughnessy? O'Shaughnessy, yeah. I keep wanting to think of that Key and Peele uh, sketch. What? That substitute teacher one where he's calling them all by the wrong, like, mispronouncing <laughs> their names. Oh. There is, like, get your ass over to O'Shag Hennessy's office. <laughs> O'Shaughnessy, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> Great sketch, it's funny. Uh, explains that Thursby was her partner. She probably killed Archer, but claims there's no idea who killed Thursby. Uh, Spade distrusts her, but agrees, okay, I'll investigate the murders. 
And then we have Joe Cairo comes in, played by Peter Lorre. <laughs> oh, fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> so... I, I the, the hair was just very distracting. But how he gets the, into this... Oh! Yeah. <laughs> I want to offer you $5,000 for a black figure of a bird. So, listeners, here's what happens here. He offers him $5,000. like, okay, good, I'm listening. No problem. But back in, you know, uh, he's going to go ahead and investigate these murders. He takes all the money she has. That's 500 bucks. And suddenly this guy's offering $5,000 for, you know, to try to help locate this bird. We don't know anything about that yet. So, (laughs) he has this, but he then pulls a gun and says, Okay, can you get into the center of the room, please? I'm going to to search your office. (laughs) What do you expect to find there? (laughs) Burger turns him around, knocks the gun out of his hand, and knocks him out in the funniest freaking way. Oh, give us the play-by-play with your karate guy. Alright, so he does this, like, halfway uppercut, gets him right in the jaw, and he, Laura gets beat up a bit in this movie. Aww. Don't you think? Yeah, yeah. He gets beat up a lot, and it's just... A couple times, but he's rightfully afraid that he's gonna get his face punched or whatever. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, he's like, I, I need to inspect it. So he looks over, he sees his passports, and but the funny thing is, is the smile on Bogey's face. <laughs> Later here, he's like, look, I got you. Isn't that British for, Still like, gonna do this anyway. I don't know. A boogie, I don't know. They must laugh. Well, well, that's what they call them, but, I mean, yeah. I bet English people find It's that still funny, so... So here he tells so he tells her about Cairo. Uh, he looks over the belongings here, and he uh, still hires Spade. However, he's like, "Okay, can I please have my gun now?" <laughs> oh yeah, sure. Sorry, I forgot all about it. Please let me search your hotel. And he points the gun back at him, <laughs> and this is where Humphrey Bogart is laughing. <laughs> It's worth checking this out. Mm. If you're a noir film buff, like, you know, or or if you've seen, you've seen enough that we've had, it's just Bodhi never shows emotion on any level. We saw him show emotion at some points, though, right? Anger, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's true. And um, I remember making some kind of comment, I think, on Sierra Madre, but yeah. I can't remember what the comment was. Yeah, there was something, something in about his face. Yeah. In the, yeah, in the scene here, and actually true, is the uh, John Houston actually directed Treasure of Sierra Madre hmm. as well. So this is, uh, you could see some similarities in it. I don't know about you. Yeah, well, there's some of the close talks, uh, some of the really close-up shots when they really want to show emotion, he cuts really close in their face. Isn't that just normal filmmaking stuff? Yeah, but I think I think I noticed the similarity in style there. The pace was similar. Um, then again, we didn't get fed hot dogs in the middle of watching this either. Like we did last oh, time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... With weird mustard and talking about uh, stars showing their asses. <laughs> Grandma. <laughs> Grandma complaints. Ah, uh, where are we here? So, um, uh, later in the evening, Spade tells um, uh, O'Shaughnessy here the, about Caro. Caro shows up, becomes clear that Spade's a. That Spade's acquaintance know each other. Cairo uh, becomes agitated with her and reveals that the fat man is in San Francisco. They call him the fat man. Yeah. 
Now, the fat man is also played by the same guy who owned the Blue Parrot in Casablanca, which I thought was really cool. And it was Blue Parrot, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, in the morning, Spade and Kyra, they go to Kyra's hotel where he spots Wilmer, which is just funny. Did you, you didn't explain who Wilmer is. A young man who's been following him earlier on. not that young, though. Yeah, compared to Bogey, he probably was <laughs> maybe 10 years younger. But I was like, wait, what kind of name is... I thought, is there an old guy what character? I was trying to figure out. I know, I've heard of a character named Wilmer before, like an old guy, but I yeah. don't... I couldn't remember it for the life of me. Do you remember? Uh, all I'm thinking of is Wilford Brimley. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, there's a young man who's fallen him earlier here. Um, uh, gives Wilmer a message for his boss. Um, when Spade goes to meet Gutman. Nice Holy name. fuck, his name was Gutman? Yes, you didn't notice that? Like, I was like, is that a really bad fake name? Oh. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> and he had one. Man, did he have a gut. You ain't gonna miss him. He's about 300 pounds. No shit. Oh my god. His name was Gutman. <laughs> Motherfucker. That's funny. The alias is the fat man. Gutman will talk about the, bla- uh, the black falcon invasively. So Spade uh, pretends to throw a temper tantrum and storms out. We get a little, we, we already know kind of the backstory on the Falcon, but he, you know, fills Sam in on it. Yeah. And also, apparently along the way, some some dude um, covered it in enamel or something. So, I don't know, they, yeah, they covered it in black enamel to disguise it, I guess. And, yeah, so no one would steal it. Yeah, and over the years, only like some random guy realized what it really was and he got killed or something. Yeah, it was a, gr- a Greek art dealer. Yeah, so now they uh, they tracked it down to Istanbul, and he's and quote Gutman has been after the thing for like the past seventeen years, I guess, for you know reasons. Yeah, it's a thing. Well, he wanted he had enough. I took it that he had enough money to throw around, and he just wanted it for himself. Like, he was just one of those dudes that had enough in his art collection that he would go, meh. Like, if he was in a mod, if he was a, like, this was a modern day person, like, maybe he would buy up a whole bunch of Andy Warhol. Or he would be one, like, if there was a, a Picasso or a found Van Gogh or a Da Vinci, he would just buy it. <laughs> that reminds me of or, the headline the other day. Oh. Uh, Picasso painting damaged in, um, just before yeah. auction, and then I think, how do you tell? Yeah. But, um, tsh- <laughs> <laughs> It's Diane Weiss. Huh? Who? You remember the Family Guy bit where he's like, oh, look at my new painting. Now, I know it looks weird and it doesn't look like a human, but if you move the eye over here, move the nose this way, move the lips over here, and the ear over here, it's Diane Weiss. Oh, who the hell's that? I don't know. But basically, he made the puzzle look like, he made a, uh, the, yeah. the painting look like a giant puzzle. It was funny. <laughs> it's just so scared. <laughs> um, hell. I also remember as growing up, we had this Greek family in Somerset, the Scarpos family. Mm. Um, if you're living in the uh, lower Massachusetts area, you probably know of the town of Somerset. Uh, basically, every independent pizza joint in Somerset is owned by the Scarpos family. Almost all of them. Um... In various circles, and what they used to do in the mid nineties, would they would take these uh, these old Greek coins and give them out and pretend that they were really rich, but it turns out they were only a few cents. So it's just kind of funny because I thought about this here, I'm like, okay, a Greek dealer. What if that Greek guy was, you know, not to skip ahead, but what if that Greek guy was actually passing around the fake one? Um. I don't know. Yeah, like it was that one that they went great lengths to steal, and it turns out it wasn't there. Um, you know, so... Fucking... Uh, 
the guy's fucking name was Gutman. Got cool, Gutman. I really can't get to that here. So, oh yeah, he offers him. He explains the histories we talked about with the Maltese Falcon. Uh, then offers $25,000 for Spade to actually go ahead, get the bird, and a quarter for the proceeds from its sale. But then he gets dizzy. Yeah. The drink is spiked. I should have known, really. Mm-hmm. I should have picked that up. Fat guy in a robe in the middle Sounds of it. Bad. So he gets, yeah, they spike and then they just leave. I was like... Okay. Murder him or no? Yeah. Okay, I guess. Like I thought they were gonna go get the bird, or they were just gonna rob him and then leave, mm. or something. If this is a modern day movie, I think they would do that a lot more. I so, guess maybe he was telling the truth later about yeah. he just kind of wanted to not be awkward. I I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So you have um. On coming around, you have Spade, who searches the suite, finds the newspaper, finds there's an arrival freight of the La Paloma circles. He goes to the dock, finds the ship's on fire, and later the captain, uh, who's played by Walter Houston, is shot several times, and he staggers back to Spade's office before dying. That death scene was a lot better, although I still didn't see any wounds. It was still tell, don't show, but at least he died a lot better than, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Prometheus. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. And he yeah. dropped this big and he bundle dead, that yeah. looks like it's wrapped up in newspapers and shit. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, Sam takes it to a bus terminal? Or yeah. a train station? Yeah, which wasn't uncommon a lot. You know, in the, uh, like, back in the MASH uh, series, you know, they used to say something like that. Like, they used to hide stuff or... Um, Hawkeye says that he used to stash nudie magazines at the bus terminal in a locker. Ah. You know, just to, just for safekeeping. Because nobody, like... I guess, you know, from what I understand, like, bus terminals were notorious for people hiding random shit and have people pick it up later. Because huh, nobody was fucking checking them. You know, and so it was, like, basically like an underground postal service. Cool. You know, that nobody was really going after him because so many people were going in and out all the time. It was kind of easy just to stash something, somebody else pick it up, and then whatever's stolen would be three states away before anybody really could figure it out. Da-da-da-da. You know, so maybe that's why it all died out, though. Mm. Um, let's see. So... Um, so as they're trying to look for it, you know, the his client calls, it's dead. O'Shaughnessy screams over the phone. And that's something I actually I, I like about this a lot is um, every time someone's on the phone, you never clearly hear the other line. I could hear some stuff. Yeah, never really, it's never fully clear. It's just about, it's just like, like they're talking to the, the, uh, the peanuts teacher. Do a degree, you know. Your spade stashes the package at the bus terminal. We already went that. Goes to the address. Oh, it turns out the address that they had is an empty lot. They kept calling it, um, what was it? Something bull? Oh, I forgot. Uh, it was yeah. some weird term I never heard of before. For, yeah. like, wild goose chase, but... Yeah, basically it meant wild goose chase, yeah. Oh, okay, but it was a different yeah. animal. It was a bull. Yeah. And something Yeah. They return home, and basically this is the last scene at this point. Uh, you know, um, O'Shaughnessy's hiding in the doorway. He takes her inside, finds Gutman, Cairo, Wilmer... Uh, waiting for them, the gun's drawn, he gives them $10,000, but Spade tells them, he's like, hey, that's not my price, that's not what you agreed on. 
So uh, the press is he could turn over the press of the murders of Thursby and Captain Jacoby suggests that Wilmer does then after some intense negotiations. The fall guy, they need a fall guy. Yeah, Gutman, Cairo agree that, uh, and Wilmer uh, is knocked out after he's disarmed. Sam provokes him into, yeah. I don't know, giving him an excuse to punch him in the face, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, true, true, yeah, I guess, yeah. He does have a way to persuade people. Yeah. Pretty easily. Um, at least there's that here, so, it's just after dawn, Spade calls the secretary, Effie, who, uh, I wish she had a little bit more in this. Well, she was around quite a bit. Yeah. This is a person you kind of wanted to know a little bit more about. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, he was all, like, he didn't even really feel like seeing, uh, that widow anymore, or... We didn't know if he was playing around with uh, O'Shaughnessy because, yeah. like, he kissed her and shit. But it was more like, oh, there's other ways you could pay me. And I'm like, what? wait, what? Hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sexual favors? Or, or yeah. does he love? I don't know. And then it ta- they're all talking about uh, love and shit at the end. And I was kind of like, wait, what? But I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> Yeah, it did get kind of a mess. It wasn't clear. If he belonged with anybody, he should be with Effie or something. Yeah. Well, he kept calling her precious. I just. He called the other one Angel, so I thought he just had a thing for names. I was thinking if he called her precious, like you would just see. I noticed a distinct lack of calling anybody a dame. Yeah. That was. That was missing in this movie. Yeah, that's true. That all the parodies have. That's true, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> right here, so... Uh, where are we? So, yeah, Effie does this, and she's like, okay, sorry for your day off. Sorry to ruin your day off. Well, it wouldn't be the first that you ever ruined. So, it's like, she expects it. She is loyal, and... I always imagine that she had a family, but... And has to drop everything in order to take care of her boss. Mm, I and, don't know. Or, you know, she well, at least single. She looked like kind of middle aged. So yeah, well, it said she was taking care of her mom at one point. Oh yeah. Because there's a point where she has to take the girl and like yeah, get her house at her house. She agrees to do it for a little while, but she has to call her mom first. Yeah. So I assume her mom is kind of on the elderly side. I don't know. Maybe she's a spinstress too, I and. Mean, Spinster? Yeah. Spinstress? What the fuck is that? I don't know. Words. It's late. I don't know. Spinning a circle. Yeah. Weaving things. (laughs) Majestic. Uh, Recovery supposure. Gutman invites Cairo to return with him to Istanbul. They get the statue and they find that the statue's a fake. Because, you know, he takes a pocket knife and starts scraping away. He's like, no, it's lead. It's lead, and then, you know, Peter Lure kind of comes out, and that's where he kind of does his classic Peter Lure stuff. No, it's lead. I saw you with that fake. What did we do? You imbecile. <laughs> I wanted him to go a little further with that. Yeah, I, I was, like, thinking, Gutman's going to stab you or something. Yeah, but I... I, I but he didn't. <laughs> I wanted him to go a little further and almost go like, you know, like John Cleese in the Dead Parrot sketch in Monty Python. <laughs> you know, just where he goes like, it's, it's Yeah, it ceased to be. It's joined the freaking choir invisible. <laughs> this is an ex-parrot. I wanted him to go that far. Yeah, Falcon. Why do you keep calling it Falcon. Weird accents. I don't know, man. I don't know. That wasn't even Peter Lore, though. Well, I th- maybe sometimes, but it was like more than one character. And Sam Spade did not have an accent. So yeah. it was like, why yeah. is he saying it like that? That's well, weird. I don't know what the Falcon. Uh, you know, Savannah's a fake. Says, you know, we're going to continue our quest. We're going to head off to Istanbul. Can you go ahead? You want to come with me, Spade? No. Well, I need my $10,000 back. 
This will cover my expenses. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> so he calls the cops. He says, hey, here you go. Here's the description of all of them. You can pick them up. They're going to hightail town. Get them now. And this is after the argument with, uh, over, you, you love me, don't you? Yeah. After he grills her until she yeah. confesses. Yeah, that, yeah, O'Shaughnessy confesses to uh, killing his partner. And but I didn't go, mean it. Or yeah, and he it. goes into this spiel about why it's important even though if I didn't like the guy you know it wouldn't have been alright like that's that's what detectives do or something yeah. like that. they're supposed to do we something we stick up for each other like that whole part you could have taken right out well she was trying to butter him up or maybe she was yeah. being honest I don't know but we don't know because apparently she'd kind of seduced maybe seduced other guys and that's how she got them killed mm. so he's kind of like ah I, I, I get well telling us at least that he's mm. fallen for it wasn't yeah. a very well developed romance no like you know there was some kind of playing around a bit but i'm just saying is like you could have taken the whole confession like yes i killed those people or yes, I killed your partner, and it could have been, you know, like, Gutman or Cairo that did it. Yeah. And nothing would have changed. Except for just that ending exchange. Yeah, like, it just, it wouldn't have done anything different. It wouldn't have changed any of it at What's, all. I don't know, what was his character flaw? Was it being too unpredictable? Yeah, I think or so. Or rash or something? Yeah. So maybe it... I would have to watch it again, I think, to... But maybe it had something to do with that. Maybe, yeah. But I was kind of... I wasn't sure if he was going to do something stupid like, you know, fall for her, but I guess he didn't. Yeah. I think, honestly, I, I think that was the only thing. I think it's an interesting story, but it just has to stick where it, it knows what to do. Like, stay in its wheelhouse. If you want to be a murder mystery, be a murder mystery. Because you got, like, three different... You got three different stories in one. You do? Well, yeah, you got the love story, the will they or won't they. It wasn't you got much the, of a love story. It was more like well, a... Is that's she using the point. him, yeah. lying to him about the Right, case? but that's the point. You got, it, you got the love story, you got the... Uh, the missing treasure, where it should be, and then you got the murder. And I think if you would have had one, like, I like this movie, but I think it would have been a lot stronger if it would have just stuck with one avenue. Those could have been different through lines. Yeah, I, I, I think... Because the murder led to the whole, to the Falcon thing and the whole people, I don't know mm. if you would say conspiring. So that was part of the overall story. Um, I don't know. The romance is kind of... I don't know if there was a romance, really. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a, um... I think it's a very... I think it's... It's kind of iffy there. They would have toned down one section of it. I think this would have been stronger. Not that I didn't enjoy this. I actually did. I, I did enjoy this one. I'm glad we finally got to watch it because we've been not really dragging our feet. But um, I just looked at it, cut a little bit of trivia here. Um, looks like uh, Sam, the character of Sam Spade, Humphrey Bogart, was not the first choice. Uh, went to a, um, a kind of unknown person, a man named George Raft first. And, uh, George Raft was, um, originally basically a very well-known, uh, gangster actor. And, um, you know, he did, uh, he did quite a bit here. He was actually known for the movie Bordello. 
Um, I've seen that. I actually saw that a few times. I actually like that one quite a bit. Um, but he turned it down thinking it wouldn't be very good. And then he uh, did a movie called Manpower. <laughs> sounds like a porno. <laughs> I just think of like... Uh, I just say anything about Seinfeld with the Mandem Bomb family. Ooh, I thought you were going to say Man's Ear, so yeah. I, I don't know what you mean. Mandem Bomb, Mandem Bomb, or the um, Jerry Seinfeld's personal trainer, played by uh, Lloyd Bridges. The really old guy who had, like, his dad and then his other dad was still alive. Mm. He's like, How are you so old? <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, let's see here. The uh, manpower <laughs> opposite that. Uh, he turned down. He turned off. Uh, George uh, George Raft also turned down the lead role in the High Sierra, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and Casablanca. My God. And Bogart got every one of them. <laughs> Was he some kind of role vulture? He just kind of swept in and got all... You don't he, want to do it? Okay, I'll take care of it. Was he somebody at the time, or was he an unknown? Bogey? Yeah. Oh, no, he was known. Oh, okay. Yeah, huh. so just... Uh, but still, the 42-year-old Bogart was delighted to play a highly ambiguous character, both honorable and greedy. I was particularly grateful that Bogart quickly accepted the role and uh, helped to consolidate their lifelong friendship and collaboration through a lot of other projects. One of them I really want to check out is uh, The African Queen, because that one gets sold a lot next to uh, Mal- uh, next to Maltese Falcon, a lot and some things. That's, that's, that's going to be it's quite interesting. So, um, and let's see. It's about a boat. Right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Maltese Falcon, actually, this movie, Ingrid Bergman, who watched it over and over and over again in order to prepare for her Casablanca role, so she knew how to interact with Bogart. It's kind of neat. Uh, but back with Peter Lure. It, I think it's an interesting idea, but it's, um,. I mean, Peter Lure himself, I mean, he played a very straight-laced role. It was a good one. I'm um, just seeing something like the character of Joel Carroll in the, um, based on a criminal um, who was uh, arrested for forgery in Washington in the 1920s. Uh, in the Maltese Falcon novel, the guy was clearly a homosexual, but to avoid problems with censors, they played it down considerably, although he's still noticeably effeminate. I didn't see any of that. He doesn't, he doesn't play like a 1990s, say, yeah. a 1990s gay caricature. Right. That's what I, but. Um, Who works hard and plays hard. Yes, I mean, like, he has an accent, but it's like, you know... Everybody dance now? No, it's like a random foreign accent. So, if there was any, like, this is what 1940s people associate with yeah. gay stuff, I, I don't know. Oh, man. Uh, well, although I'd, I remember hearing something about something, so... Yeah. So I'm like... Is there? I was like wondering if there was something. So, but yeah, I, don't know. I if I hadn't, I wouldn't have thought that. I would just be like, oh, he's some weird foreign guy. Not that you know. Ah. Yeah, yeah. The not uh, that there's anything weird about that. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean he's like, I don't know. Sometimes skittish. But that doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. I don't really... I didn't really see... I didn't really see too much here. I mean, the only thing I think was they said he was, like, jerking around his cane. Um, or something. It's just like, okay, whatever. There's not really much to a Peter, the Peter Lord role here. Mm. You know? Uh, 
just another interesting fact about the movie in general is the characterization of the fat man was so big that they named the bomb they dropped in Nagasaki the fat man oh my, during World that, War Two. It came from this movie. Yeah. Wow. Cause yeah. It, well, my my I was thinking that, and I think, and I think my first thought was Family Guy. Yeah. Because <laughs> Stewie always calling him the fat man, or yeah. I don't know if he still does, but. Yeah. I'm like, Lewis and the fat man. <laughs> the true, true. But yeah, Gutman, what, what the hell? His fucking name was Gutman. Ah, uh, man. Uh, let's see, really overplayed. Really, I got really nothing else on this one. Yeah, uh, I'm tired and we're kind of late. Yeah. Yeah, sorry about that one. We're going to actually plan to do another recording in a few days mm-hmm. in order to catch up. To um, be on time, you mean? Yeah, yeah we, we definitely have to catch up with you. And uh, any one of those out there, you know, happy Mother's Day for the people who, um, if you are a mother or not expecting or whatever, whether it's two-legged, four-legged children or whatever, you deserve a great day. And you deserve a great happy birthday. Oh, thanks, but Which, you got one, so... It, it was kind of rainy, though. Yeah. That sucked. <laughs> so, hell... Ah, uh, man. Anything else to add? Uh, fantasy casting? Um, oh, yeah, actually, I had a few thoughts on that, actually. I made my jokes while watching. I can't remember them. Yeah. They weren't that good. Well, initially, I was going with my other side of it. Well, um, I do remember it, but I, uh, as soon as I saw the layouts of San Francisco, I immediately wanted to see the opening of the room. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my and then God. you hear, like, it pans down in there, and you go, hey, babe. And unidentifiable foreign accent guy. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. He, he, could, he could play Peter Lore, but he would totally wedge his way into being the Sam Spade. And it would no. be awful. No, just literally. You please go put your hands behind your back. I need to check your room. <laughs> Uh, but uh, honestly, I would say if you um, uh, if you take the the bogey role and then uh, replace it with H. John Benjamin, <laughs> ah. you know, I just immediately my first thought was like, yeah, okay, we'll take the role. And that's how you get ants. Yeah. Well, for the Archer. yeah for the for Miles Archer, I think that would be a little bit here. But you did say like uh, he had like a Robert Downey Jr. look. Well, in, in one particular angle, like yeah. from Iron Man kind of. Yeah. Thing. Well, he had the hat to see. Um, but also like one really brilliant actor who I mean he does good roles and bad roles every now and then I think would do really well if they did a remake with Ben Stiller. Hmm. You know, I think he I yeah. think he would be able to pull it off really well. Um of course probably I mean he'd be opposite Owen Wilson and I think that would cheapen it a lot because of the, you know, obviously their Zoolander roles. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they need to be taken seriously, but Ben Stiller is actually pretty fucking good. Uh, and I know he could pull that off pretty well, but um, uh, let me think for a moment here. I mean, you know, there's nobody who could really replace Humphrey Bogart, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking if it's Tommy Wiseau and Sam Spades are all. <laughs> you know who has it? By the way, how's your sex life? <laughs> oh, hi, birdie. <laughs> I kept expecting him to, Sam to drop the statue, and then it turns out it was the right one, but the guy hadn't scratched far enough. Mm. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, at the, the, at the end when he's carrying it away. Yeah, but no. no yeah, like happened. you would drop it, flake off, and it would suddenly be a real jewel, like, and it would go to credits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that but did I, not happen. I think that would be not. that would be a modern 
<laughs> it did not. <laughs> a modern? You, you think they would? In the modern day, I think they would do something in a parody, but I can't remember. Yeah. I think they would do something of that in the modern day if they did something there. However, I think it was a good thing just to kind of leave the audience wondering because in a 1941 audience like that where the whole world's at war and they need those mysteries and they need the like it would give people a distraction and something to dwell on you know beyond that because it's like you know well there's always war and shit going on well the whole world was at war except you know for the most part except us except the u.s until we uh until we we got hit in pearl harbor and once the Navy got hit, we were all guns blazing, ready to go. But that was just before it was released. So, um, and you got to think, movies like that were probably about a year ahead of time. And we joined in very late in World War II as well. Um, but in any regard, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a, um, I think it's a good movie. Um, I don't really mind that we watched it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Is that? Um. Yes. Yeah, so, what do we do now? I don't know. <laughs> uh, what you mean? What movie? Yeah. Mm, we kind of had that sort of kind of list somewhere of potential. All right. Uh, I'm not sure. All right. Although so. there is, um, uh, I think it's Mad Love, but we already did a. Uh, hands with the minds of their own Peter Lore movie, so I don't know if that would be too repetitive. Eh. It's a remake of uh, The Hands of Orlac, which a uh, guy gets a hand transplant from a serial killer. Mm. And I, in this in this one, Peter Lore's the, I guess he's the guy who, who does it that way because he wants the piano player who gets the transplant to break up with his lady or something so he can have her that kind of shit hmm all right but i, I don't know if that's too repetitive we can, we'll find we'll figure out something yeah all right so we will be back on uh well, we'll record on friday but we'll be back on saturday uh this will probably post it on saturday morning so that'll give you that'll give you a good amount of time so fans, you know, be grateful with us. So we thank you for joining us again. Yay. So we'll uh, see you soon and uh, have a great day. Be good. Take care of yourselves. Uh, but don't be too good. Don't Bye-bye. steal falcons. <laughs>